Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 247, John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in H-Town, Houston, Texas. The longest uh, reigning defending light heavyweight champion, the GOAT, John Jones, is taking on an undefeated challenger in Dominic Reyes this weekend. Yeah, Houston's a, a city known for its great fights. That uh, I mean, there's been plenty of great moments uh, from the UFC in Houston, and we know that a lot of people are probably most likely going to get knocked out or finished on this card, I'm assuming. It's a Houston. You know that energy is going to be lit. So uh, John Jones, the GOAT, f- facing this uh, you know, up-and-comer Dominic Reyes, only a couple, you know, two or three good wins. Uh, Ozdemir, OSP, and Chris Weidman. Uh, let's see if he's the one. Man, he says he's the one. Uh, he's referenced his athletic background more than once uh, in the build-up to this fight. And with John Jones... A lot of the story has been that, you know, his last few fights were against former middleweights. And now he's taking on not just a light heavyweight Shaq, but a six foot five light heavyweight in Dominic Reyes, who looked like uh, all the talk so far. So now huge step up in competition from Chris Weidman here to the GOAT, John Jones. Uh, let's see if he rises to the occasion. Yeah, I like the the banter these two got going on. Uh, you know, I like the little subtle comments between both. Uh, John saying Dominic is clueless and has no idea because, you know, he's a, a big fish in a small pond out there in Cali. And Reyes is saying similar things, you know, uh, saying that uh, – you know, a lot of people at Jackson Week been feeling left out, you know, because uh, the treatment John gets. But, hey, I mean, John Jones is the GOAT, so. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, man, like when you see the in-depth, this dude has a training partner slash coach, just a staff member for every aspect of the game. And I think the reason he's had such longevity is because when you see him on Fight Week, the guy's out here drilling the basics. And we know the basics are the key to being great at anything. If you watch any old Kobe videos, like that's what he said, you got to drill those basics. And you see my boy John Jones out there drilling basic arm bars with his jiu-jitsu coach. It doesn't seem like Reyes is getting that kind of one-on-one attention. So I'm very curious to see uh, what happens uh, when Reyes takes such a step up in competition. Here. Uh, you know, I, I disagree a little bit. I mean, he's got a team. I mean, what, that little Victorville, I mean, it's his team Reyes. So, you know, uh, I think he's got a team around him, just guys that we, you know, don't know of. Uh, no Brandon Gibsons or Wink or Greg Jackson. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see. Yeah, for sure. Well, before we uh, break down this car start to finish, got to let the fans know you can check out our bets at bestfightpicks.com. Right now, use that promo code 2020 to save 20% off our VIPs, which is my bets and Shaq's bets combined in one package. But if you just want to deal with us individually, you can use my promo code Dan for 10% off, or you can use Shaq's promo code Shaq for 10% off, all lowercase there, bestfightpicks.com. Well, Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Austin Lingo, he's 7-0, and and Yusuf Zalal is 7-2. and Currently, they got Austin Lingo minus 190, and the comeback on Yusuf Zalal is plus 165. So heavy action's been coming in on Yusuf Zalal. Interestingly enough, Austin Lingo actually opened minus 500 in bet online, but as you know... Uh, that might have been a little bit out there, but now it seems more appropriate. You got the Factory X product and Yusuf Zalal taking on Fortis MMA's own Austin Lingo. Which way are you going? Yeah, this is a great matchup, but you got two newcomers, both hungry, both from good camps. You got Lingo from Fortis Zalal. He's from Factory X. So these guys are probably prepared to fight at a at a, at a very high level for their debuts. Zalal, he's a very scrappy kid. Uh, you know, he's actually lost two of his last three, if I'm not mistaken.
mistaken. But, hey, there were close decisions. I mean, he won the third round in each of those fights. He just seems like he's a little green. I'm sure he'll get better along, you know, along the way. It just seems that Austin Lingo, on the other hand, both guys, I'd say... I don't want to say Zalal's fought better competition, but, you know, Lingo was fighting cans up until, you know, recently his last couple fights. Uh, but, hey, one thing about Lingo is he's got that KO power. He moves forward. He's very consistent, like most guys at Fortis. He just does basic uh, combinations to get what he needs to be done, and that's knocking people out unconscious. Now, Zalal, he's, a, you know, a little flash here and there. He's uh, He likes to talk in the cage. He's a very entertaining fighter. I just view Austin Lingo as the better fighter in every aspect just you know i don't want to say slightly but Salal, we've seen him out grappled at times you've seen him overwhelmed with the pressure when he fought mariscal and matt jones he dropped rounds in those fights he did win the third round so he possibly could be one of these comeback kids but i just see austin lingo possibly doing what he always does getting another victory with that consistent fortis mma pressure like i notice a lot of those guys have or if this goes three rounds Zalal gives up takedowns in a lot of his fights and he's been fighting these guys that i don't want to say aren't you know they i mean they aren't on austin lingo's level in my opinion you know they're they're uh, grappling base fighters for the most part they and they're still you know overwhelming them with punches at times i think zalal will have a bright future he needs to drop the bantamweight uh i think lingo has a a decent size advantage in this matchup and i think he gets the win here in texas houston not far from home i think he gets a knockout finish i'll go with lingo yeah, no, I think you said it right, man. This kid Zalal needs to drop down to 135 pounds. He said it himself, and interestingly enough, most of his fights have been at featherweight, and the times that he's lost fights, he seems to be very outsized, and he's one of these guys that if uh, you show him too much respect, uh, he'll start pointing down to the cage. Uh, he'll start, uh, you know, he'll start throwing flying knees. He'll start getting off with the flash, and from a technical standpoint, I actually think Yusuf Zalal is pretty damn good. I mean, he's got... Kind of a complete game in a sense where he's got the calf kicks on the feet. I've seen him out grapple people. I've seen him take people's backs and choke them out. So it's one of those things where anytime he's fought someone that was more physical than him, that was willing to push that pace, not that he necessarily broke, but again, the size factor, he seemed like he was able to be bullied in that cage. And that's exactly what Austin Lingo is going to do to him on Saturday night because Austin Lingo is one of these guys that, well, obviously... He's got devastating knockout power. He's got that one-hitter-quitter, and this is something he's had ever since his amateur days. There's always been that thing with Austin Lingo in the pocket, in these exchanges. When he hits guys behind the ear, on the temple, wherever it may be, on the chin, they seem to wobble, and oftentimes they get knocked out. This has been going on for a long time. Now, the whole question is, how's his ground game? Well, the times I've seen him taken down, I saw the kid attacking off his back with submissions. I saw him scramble back up to his feet. So, in my opinion, it's not that there's necessarily a weakness on the ground for Austin Lingo. It's just more so that he gravitates towards that God-given knockout power that he brings to the table, man. So, I think he's going to go forward in this fight. I think he's going to throw some heavy bombs at Yusuf Zalal and... I'm very curious how Yusuf's going to react to these shots, man. So I'm going Austin Lingo to probably knock out Yusuf Zalal, but if it hits the scorecards, I think Austin Lingo gets it done as well. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Andre Uhl, he's 15-6, and six, and Jonathan Martinez is 11-2. and two. Currently, they got Andre Uhl minus 120, and Jonathan Martinez is plus 100. Well, Shaq, it opened minus 190, Andre Uhl. All the action has been coming in on Jonathan Martinez. And this kid Martinez, very, very talented. You think he's ready to come out here, get a three-fight win streak, and uh, show off uh, all this potential people have been talking about? Yeah, it's very interesting to see that all the action is on him. Uhl, 
lost to Cheeto Vera's last by, by last fight by finish. Uh, I think he's what two and two, or two and two and two in the UFC. And he was a very entertaining fighter. You know, he's known for his striking. He's known for that left hand. Martinez, on the other hand, had that rough debut against Sukumtach. He took that fight on less than a week's short notice, and but he bounced back in a nice way. They gave him that nice little layup against uh, Waligi Buren. You know, they kind of gave him a, a mini Cheeto. Uh, you know, I've called Martinez little Cheeto in the past. He kind of reminds me of him and you know, just a, a much lesser developed version but man the improvements that he made from the Biren fight to the Pinguan fight was massive in my opinion man a lot of people won't know what they're watching in that fight you know the first two rounds kind of I don't want to say were uneventful but it was a each guy was very worried about each other's counters and if you if you really watch what you're seeing man Martinez was picking him apart the whole time setting him up setting him up with that left kick and then eventually found the home for the knee and the knockout win so I think Martinez at 25 years old is getting better at a very frequent weight he's getting more comfortable in the octagon and before the UFC, man, I watched a couple highlight tapes on this kid before the Sukumta fight. I was very impressed. I mean, we saw his fight with Matt Schnell back in the day where he got DQ'd. The kids the kids got a, a little Latin fire in him 100%. Well, who's a good striker? He's, I mean, he can hit 100% with that left hand, but uh, what else does he really have? You know, he is experienced. But, I mean, he's kind of one of these fighters that I feel like his, he's an overrated striker in my opinion. I think that he's a I'm not saying he's a bad striker. I just think that. You know, his left hands look really good when he's fighting, you know, stationary Brazilians that don't move. Uh, Anderson Dos Santos and Henan Barral, two guys that, I mean, let's just be honest here, guys, in a couple months, you know, Henan's already gone. Man. No offense to Anderson, beat Ricky Simon, but, you know, he's probably not going to be here for much longer. So I think that uh, Ool is one of these guys that he gasses out in a lot of his fights. His footwork gets bad as the uh, fights progress on. He starts dropping his hands. And, yes, he's lost the two top 15 guys, but, you know, going into the fight where those guys viewed as top 15 guys, you know what I'm saying? Wood was just a – Wood's not even top 15. But uh, Vera, for example, you know, he wasn't necessarily thought of a top 15 guy going into that fight. So I feel like this is a good spot for Martinez. It does kind of worry me that all the action is on him, but I think Wood is very one-dimensional. I don't really think much has changed in his fighting style. I mean, look, the kid's definitely more experienced than Martinez, but – but not by much, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I think Martinez is going to come out here get the win. I think that he's going to capitalize on some of those mistakes that Ul makes striking with the angles that he the feints. And I just don't see him standing in front of him. I mean, let's be honest here. Anderson Dos Santos still had a lot of success in that fight, even though he got he just he's too stubborn in his ways. He won't move his head. You know he's you know he's. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He's set on banging with Ula, trying to prove that he's a, a tough Brazilian, which is, you know, that's great and all. But I think that Martinez projects as the better fighter. Right now, is he the better fighter? I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but I think the kid's getting better. So I think he's going to come in here, get a win in his hometown, Houston, Texas. And, and I'm going to say by third round, third round submission. Man, this is a really tough fight for me to call because obviously when you talk about the ceiling, this kid, uh, Jonathan Martinez, he's been getting better every single fight, and I feel like he could, he will play out to be the better fighter long term. It's just about where are they at right now. And Andre Uhl obviously is known for throwing that left hand, but I got to give the guy a lot of credit. You know, he got embarrassed on the mat, not just against uh, Nathaniel Wood, but in past fights, you know, against uh, Patrick Mix and all these other guys. And since that point, look, he's been putting in work in the gi. The guy got promoted to purple belt recently, so I got to give him a lot of credit for 
for addressing his weakness, man. Much respect. And he's always going to be an exciting guy to watch. I really enjoy watching him fight. Uh, all four of his UFC fights have been awesome. So I'm an Andre Uhl fan. But with this kid Martinez, obviously the UFC debut didn't go his way against Sukumtad. I think if he had a full camp, he might have got that done. But against Wuliji Burren, willed himself to victory. And then the next one against Ping Wan Lu. So it's one of these things where sometimes Martinez gets into a bit of a coast mode, and I think that could cost him, you know, if this fight does go to decision because Andre Uhl is going to be banging that left hand. But at the same time, Martinez goes forward the entire fight, and that's one of those things that have given Andre Uhl problems in the past. So I'm very curious to see how these pocket exchanges are going to go. You know, I think it's the hands of Uhl versus the, the kicks and the knees of Jonathan Martinez. I'm going to slightly lean with Martinez, but I think it's a coin flip type of fight, and I think it'll play out very exciting on Saturday night. Now, also in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Journey Newsom, he's 9-2, and two, and Domingo Pilarte is 8-2. and two. Currently, they got Domingo Pilarte minus 130, and the comeback on Journey Newsom is plus 110. Well, Shaq, this is interesting, man, because Domingo Pilarte came into the UFC with a lot of hype. Uh, you remember that contender series victory over Morales choked him out. And then he goes out there against Felipe Cobacal Colares. And he was a big favorite in that spot. And he let a lot of people down against Felipe Colares. So now, now it's about, is he going to rebound against journey Newsom? And what's interesting to me about this matchup shack is that when you talk about Domingo Pilarte, or as we like to say in Brazil, shack Domingo Pilarch, he's one of these guys that he's extremely tall for the weight class. Uh, and if he takes your back and he starts tying you up, chances are he might choke you out. But if he doesn't, you're going to lose that round. You're probably not going to scramble out. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. Domingo Pilarte, man, his fights are wild. <laughs> I can't, I, he's <laughs> exciting, man. Yeah. But uh, on the feet, he's very uh, defensively liable, man. He fights from the southpaw stance. That right hand is down the entire time. I've seen him dropped in multiple fights. And I truly believe that if you go back and you watch his fight against Machado, Kyle Machado, I believe it was his third pro fight. Dude, when I tell you those two stood and banged in the pocket for three straight rounds, it was absolutely insane. Ever since that fight, not that something's been missing, but I almost feel like his willingness to brawl in the pocket has kind of diminished since that point because, dude, that was one of those fights where they literally put everything on the line to the point where in the second and third rounds, Domingo Pilarte has got his hands on his hips, huffing and puffing. And we're talking about a bantamweight. We're not talking about heavyweights here. So Domingo Pilarte, I feel like he let a lot out in that fight. And since that point, even though he's been winning, he's been he's been having very sketchy moments in all his fights, and it's going to catch up to him. Now, luckily for him here with Journey Newsome, look, the kid's fun to watch, but it's one of those things where I'm not exactly entirely sure that he's UFC caliber. And that's no disrespect to the guy. Hey, Journey, you got all the chance to come prove me wrong on Saturday night, and I will tip my cap to you if you do. But the thing is, in that fight with, with Ramos, and I know Ramos is a very well-respected guy, but I just didn't like how how much he was missing on his kicks and his punches. It was just one of those things where I'm not convinced he's going to be able to find the chin of Domingo Pilarte. So honestly, man, I think this is one of those fights where Domingo Pilarte can use his size, go forward, take this kid's back, and either ride him out or choke him out. So I'm going with Domingo Pilarte to get it done here. Yeah, you know, uh, Journey Newsom, I like his story. You know, a foster kid made it to the UFC, came in on short notice. I actually bet on Ramos uh, in his debut. Th thought it was a, you know, a layup fight for the most part. And, uh, you know, look, he showed some toughness, had a good guillotine attempt in there, uh, ate some flying knees, or I mean some uh, spinning elbows. So 
Props to Journey Newsome. Pilarte, man, like you said, he's got sketchy moments in all of his fights, and I feel like Pilarte is going to be one of these guys that he shed a lot of blood out there on that local scene. And, you know, when he uh, now he's in the UFC, you know, now, I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, it's probably going to come back to haunt him. The kid does get dropped from time to time. He will get tired from time to time, but he's got the range and he's got the height on Journey Newsome. And Journey Newsome's a very short guy that likes to move backwards, you know, and he moves backwards on this tall, long guy like Pilarte. I just see this being one of those typical fights, kind of like a, a Jamal Hill versus Darko Stasic a, a couple weeks where, you know, you got the you got the long, sketchy guy a little bit. You know, his defense might be a little sketchy, but the guy, the short, you know, stocky guy is going to be moving backwards. And he might swing a couple of haze up top and, you know, have a couple moments in the fight, get a uh, capitalize on a on a on a grappling mistake from Pilarte. But, man, I just feel like in Houston, Texas, in Pilarte's, even though Pilarte lost in San Antonio to Kobuk, but he lost the first two rounds. I mean, just straight up, honestly. He was lucky that went to split. But uh, I think that he's going to win a decision here. Probably, you know, the 29-28, 31, 29-28, 2, 30-27s. Probably move forward, capitalize on that range. And Journey Newsom's probably going to hesitate to pull the trigger, man. I've seen him do it multiple times. Uh, I think he's a tough guy, but yeah, I think Pilarte's going to win a decision here. Now, also in the Bantamweight division, three back-to-back-to-back Bantamweight fights. We've got a matchup between Miles Johns, the former LFA champion. He's 10-0, and Mario Bautista is 7-1. Currently, they got Miles Johns minus 130, and the comeback on Mario Bautista is plus 110. Well, oddsmakers opened this minus 245 for Miles Johns, and all the public has been coming in on Mario Bautista. And honestly, look, Mario Bautista is a very exciting guy to watch. You watch his UFC debut against Corey Sanhagen, and... Even though he was the one to fall, you know, to the flying knee, eventually got tapped out. Uh, he stood and banged in the pocket with, with a guy like Corey Sanhagen, so you got to give him a lot of credit for that. And then the next fight goes in there, gets fight of the night against Jin Susan. So I like Mario Bautista as a fan. I think that he's a very entertaining fighter, and I can't wait to watch every single fight this guy has just because you know for a fact that he's, he's a true Latin warrior that is willing to go out on his shield and put on a true fight for the fans. And when you talk about Miles Johns, uh, this is a very well-rounded guy. And a lot of people say he's one-dimensional, but I disagree. I think he's a very well-rounded guy who knows what he has to do to get victories. And that's a quality you look for in these fighters. And I know he's often been criticized for his cardio on contender series. He definitely gassed. There was a fight prior where he gassed as well. But on contender series, I think it was one of those situations where, look, he tore his groin <laughs> in that second round. And he still fought through it and won every single round in that fight. So I got to give the guy a lot of credit for his mental toughness, his resolve. But the common theme that I've been hearing people saying about this fight is how Mario Bautista has significantly more volume than Miles Johns. Now, that might be true when he's fighting, no disrespect to Jin Susan, very entertaining fighter, but a walking punching bag like Jin Susan, who's not a takedown threat. Now, granted, Jin Susan took him down twice. And I, I heard Jin Susan has a bit of a wrestling background, but it's not the same. When we talk about Miles Johns, we're talking about a state champion wrestler. We're not talking about, you know, he did a couple camps here. No, no. We're talking about a real lifelong wrestler here. So the, the thing with that fight with Jin Susan is that Jin Susan walks forward. And the reason people love Jin Susan so much is because in that fight prior where Peter Yan also landed 100-plus significant strikes on uh, – on Jin Susan's face. It wasn't about Jin Susan, you know, landing any offense on Peter Yan that made people fall in love. It was the fact that P 
Peter Yan would go out there, hit him with a six-piece, and then Jin Susan would smile at him. That's why the fans love Jin Susan so much. So when Mario Bautista went out there and teed off on the guy, they have a nice little fight of the night. Now everyone's in love with Mario Bautista. And I like the guy, too. He's very exciting to watch. But back to this whole volume thing, you know, I, I think that on the feet, Miles Johns has a lot of power and that power is going to make Mario Bautista hesitant to throw as much volume. And then there's the threat of the takedown, too. So I think that Miles Johns is going to is going to put together the complete MMA game. When he's when he's thinking about takedowns, Miles Johns is going to go up top with some heavy shots. And when Mario Bautista is like, oh, shit, why is this guy banging with me? Then Miles Johns is going to mix in that entry, duck under, and get the takedown. So I think Miles Johns is going to keep the very tough Mario Bautista guessing the entire time. And I think Miles Johns is going to come out here and win a decision. Look, a lot of people have been criticizing him for his fight against Cole Smith. Look, Cole Smith, I like to call him the bantamweight Kiesa. Look, this guy's six feet tall for bantamweight. I mean, he goes out there, and if he takes your back one time, you're not getting out that round. You better hope you survive the choke, come back, and win the next round. And I know for a fact Mario Bautista is not the Bantamweight Kiesa. Mario Bautista is a very exciting Latin warrior that likes to stand and bang. Completely different matchup. So I think Miles Johns has the path to victory here. And I think he's going to get it done by a unanimous decision. I think it's going to be a more dominant win than his UFC debut. Yeah, you know, Miles Johns had that fight with Cole Smith. Uh, it was Some people thought it was controversial. It was a close fight in Canada. But, hey, man, he won that third round for a guy that has suspect cardio. You know, uh, he was able to suck it up in that third round and, and fairly dominate that round. So maybe that cardio maybe that cardio thing. Look, any anybody with his build is going to, you know, need a little rest here and there. I mean, when you're that stocky and that muscular. I mean, so to say he has bad cardio, I mean, if anything, he's got good cardio, you know what I'm saying? To be built like that, man, you're going to you're gonna fatigue at times. So uh, I think people are, you know, overblowing it a little bit. Mario Bautista, I respect him. That fight with Corey Sanhagen, like you said, he came out there and banged, had a nice showing against Jinsu Sun, but we felt like going into... Going into that San Bautista fight that, like you said, we knew that Jin Susan was getting uh, too much credit for that Peter that Peter Yan performance. I mean, look, guys, people were out there saying that Jin Susan won a round or, you know, I was like, whoa, what? Like, won a round? <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he didn't win. He got 10 8 every round. But uh, anyways, I mean, look, Peter Peter was playing with the kid, man. He was out there working on, on different techniques. But uh, so, yeah, Barti, we knew that line was off. And, you know, Bautista went out there and did his thing through a lot of volume. Like you said, Jin Susan takes a lot of punches. He he wants to be like his big bro zombie and uh, take that punishment and dish it out. But unfortunately, he's just not unfortunately, he's just not built for that. And unfortunately, I think he got released earlier this week, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, Jin Susan is no longer with the company. Miles Johns, he's very meat and potatoes. There's nothing flashy about anything that he does, but meat and potatoes is very high percentage. High percentage wins a lot of fights. Look, if he presses a guy on the cage for three, four minutes, and let's say Mario Bautista, yeah, okay, yeah, he does have a volume edge, but Miles Johns, I feel like, is going to be able to take his three and then land a huge one that steals everything that Mario just did. I agree. I see him winning a decision being too physical. I definitely see him capitalizing on the takedowns. Miles has a very good single leg. Like you said, he's a state champion wrestler. And if you watch some of Mario Bautista's Combate Americas fights, man, he gave up some, you know, easy takedowns. That's still a working progress in his game. Very scrappy kid, but I feel like the power and the uh, just that consistent, that consistency that I see from Fortis, I think he's going to come into this uh into this fight very well prepared press mario on that fence kill that clock get a takedown here and there land the big shots and and get the job done 
Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Alex the Great White Murano. He's 17 and 5, and Kalen Williams is 9 and 1. Currently, they got Alex Murano minus 325, and the comeback on Kalen Williams is plus 265. Well, Shaq, uh, it's been a while since we've seen Alex Murano as this big of a favorite. Uh, what kind of chance do you give the UFC debutante Kalen Williams here? Man, Kalen Williams is big. He's a very big boy. I mean, he's a lot bigger than Murano. So, I mean, that is something you got to be worried about. The thing is just, you know, this type of spot, usually they're bringing in the newcomer on a week notice or a week and some change. The The odds definitely, I mean, are not in his favor. So, I mean, I think, uh, I forget the exact percentage, but it's very, I mean, if you're making a, a one-week short notice, I mean, you're most likely going to lose. So, uh, I think that Kalen Williams has a bright future, but, I mean, you can see some very tech, uh, striking errors that he makes, man. He makes a lot of mistakes in his striking, but he gets away with it just out of that that size that he's got and he's so physical but he just strikes me as more of a physical grinding type of guy that can uh grind decisions out he's a very tough kid but i just think Murano at this current stage i mean the improvements not necessarily improvements just but the it seems like he's just executing slightly better in spots. He's got more direction in there since he's been in there with safe. I mean, the prior fights, he was kind of all over the place, utilizing, trying to go for guillotines and, and giving up takedowns. And he still gives up takedowns, but he's done enough damage on the feet now to, you know, it doesn't matter. Look at that fight with Kenan Song now out there in China. In Kenan's hometown, he won a decision, won the fight of the night. Then he finishes Otto in less than two minutes. And then he goes in there against Max Griffin as an underdog. I actually bet him in that fight. Fight. And I mean, he looked really good in that fight. Still gave up, still gave up a lot of takedowns. That's one thing you got to worry about, Murano. He will give up takedowns, but uh, I just feel like he's gonna capitalize in the striking here, get Kylan Williams to maybe shoot a, a bad shot. And I, th I see Murano winning this fight by guillotine, you know, or uh, or some type of submission or a ground and pound stoppage. You know, I think that it, he's just too experienced. He's well prepared. He was getting ready for a war with Diego Lima. I think Kylan Williams will be back, but I think that on Saturday it's gonna be a good night for Murano in his hometown of Houston. Yeah, look, uh, Kalen Williams kind of reminds me of an inexperienced Derek Brunson. He's very physical, very big. He'll run in wild with his chin in the air, swing some big bombs. But uh, if uh, you're not quite on his level, he'll knock you out. He'll grind you out. I've seen him take guys down as well. He even uh, choked out Ladarius Jackson, who our buddy Jared Nitrain Gooden knocked out with a flying knee. And most recently, they you know they got a little beef because – Kalen Williams actually just beat Alex Morano's teammate, Jeremy Holloway, um, back in November. So Coach Safe is very familiar with this kid. He's going to come out here most likely with the right game plan. The thing with this guy, Morano, I feel like he's an overachiever, man. Like, this is his 10th UFC fight. Who would have thought this guy would make it to 10 UFC fights? And, dude, he's been shining, man. He's a very exciting guy to watch, especially since he made that switch to Fortis MMA. Because if you saw that stunt he pulled against Jordan Meehan, you would have thought, okay, one more of these and the guy's gone. But since that point, he's put together three straight wins and he's been looking the best he's ever looked. Now, granted, there still are some areas that he needs to patch up, mainly the takedown defense. But for me, it's really the cardio because you watch that fight against Max Griffin and he wins the first round clearly. Second round was very close up until he landed that head kick, which dropped him. And you hear safe in the corner saying, we don't get tired from winning, Alex. Like, what the fuck are you gassing out for? You know, it was kind of funny. And then the last round he lost. So it's one of those things where it might not matter. It might not hurt him in this specific fight. But going forward, you need to be very careful who you pick him against. And here, I'm not personally willing to lay the minus 325. Look, when it was a pick him 
earlier, you know, earlier in the week, I was a little more interested, you know, get those limits a little lifted. I might've taken that, that chance, but here at minus 325, I would recommend sitting back and enjoying the show. So I'm going to go with Alex Morano to win this fight, but, uh, I do think I do think it's a bit wide, but I understand just the experience difference and all that stuff. So that's all baked into the line here. But I'm going to go with Alex Morano for the victory. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Andrea KGB Lee. She's 11 and three and Lauren Murphy is 11 and four. Currently, they got Andrea Lee minus 365 and the comeback on Lauren Murphy is plus 305. Well, Shaq, we haven't really been too high on Lauren Murphy in the past, but I'll tell you what, for someone that we haven't been high on, she went out there last fight, knocked out her opponent. That's something you don't often see in the women's flyweight division. You think she's got what it takes to, to make it two in a row here and get a, uh, get a second straight upset? Yeah, I mean, look, she it, look, it seemed like she had a little bit more spirit in her for that Mara Barella fight, but let's not forget Barella's been knocked out like four or five times, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, but hey, she did. I mean, usually when you hear Lauren Murphy, you just think, you know, negative for the most part. I mean, I remember that uh, tough show. My, my boy Eddie had to had to get on her, you know what I'm saying? But uh, Lauren Murphy, it seemed like she had a, a little bit more spirit in that last fight. Andrea Lee, in my opinion, is definitely the better striker. The thing with Lee is... I haven't. I mean, I just, I don't want. I don't think she's overrated, but I'm. I don't think she's. You know, minus like minus three thirty five. I mean, look, I, I'm gonna pick her by decision here. I think she's a slightly faster, throws more volume. Lauren's definitely got a very basic fighting style. She's a grinder. She likes to move forward, get dirty, get ugly in there, and that could be. Uh, that could possibly make this fight play out a little bit closer. I mean, there is a very good chance that this turns into a one. This could be a one-one going into the third round situation, you know. So uh, I'm a pick Lee by decision. I think she's the better striker, throws more volume. But Murphy put on that. She's got some good pressure, man, and she she's got some uh, good vet tactics in there. Andrea Lee, I wasn't that impressed in her De La Rosa fight, the uh, Evan Smith fight. I mean, Evan Smith. No offense, but I mean, I think they're sending Evan Smith down there to London to fight uh, to fight Molly. I mean, that just shows you what they think. You know what I'm saying? So I think uh, Andre Lee was slightly overrated. Her last fight, she was a big favorite to Calderwood. I think she was over two to one and she lost a split decision there. I think she's going to win the decision here, but it just would not shock me if it was one to one going into that third round. And, you know, uh, then it's going to get real sweaty, you know. So I'm a pick Lee. think she's the better striker. I think she can. she's shown that she can at least fend off some takedowns. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take Lee by decision. Look, I got to give Lauren Murphy a lot of credit. This is someone that I used to completely shit on every single time she fought. And, I mean, for good reason. You saw her attitude on the Ultimate Fighter going out there, losing to chicks with three and two records the whole bit. And, you know, was one of those fighters that's always complaining about, oh, UFC should do this for me and that. For, you know, the whole bit. She was basically, she was, she was kind of a loser. But, man. I gotta give her a lot of credit because something seems to have clicked, and I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not. I'm not. Saying- I, 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 from, if, well, if I'm not mistaken, she left the lab and she went back to her original gym. So maybe, maybe that's what did it. Yeah, and when I say things have clicked, I'm not sitting here saying she's about to go on some title run or anything like that. But what, what I am saying is that she might actually keep her place in the company because at one point I was like, dude, yeah, th- this ain't gonna end well. But that last performance gave me a little faith in her that hey, you know what? Maybe you're finally coming into your own after all these years. And with KGB Lee, look, she's exciting. She's got the look. She's got the cowboy hat. She's got the smile. She's got the striking style, the whole bit. But, man, ever since uh, that shit went down last year and she hasn't had her coach, 
She ain't been looking the same, and I don't know what it is, man. Like, that fight against Montana De La Rosa, Shaq and I were in attendance in Greenville, and, I mean, that was the fight where we had to go out and buy food in the concession stand. You understand what I'm saying? It, it was just kind of very underwhelming. Then the next one against Joanne Calderwood as a big favorite. Uh, let, let's be honest. Um, you know, it, it says on paper it was a split decision, but you and I both know that was no split decision. That was a clear win for Joanne Calderwood. Now, in this spot, yes, it is a step-down in competition, and, most likely, KGB can use her volume and just her cleaner strikes to come out here and win this decision. But I ain't laying minus 365 to find out. And I wish anyone that does luck, uh, I'm going to go with Andrea Levia decision. But I would be very careful at the betting window. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Trevin Officer Giles. He's 11-2. and two, And Antonio Ahoyo is 9-3. and three. Currently, they got Trevin Giles minus 140 in the comeback on Antonio Ahoyo is plus 120. Well, Shaq, uh, both these guys are coming off L's. One guy's looking to rebound here uh, in the middleweight division, but it's a really interesting matchup. Both guys have been criticized for their fight IQ, but both guys have shown pretty good athleticism at times. Uh, who are you going for? Yeah, man. I watched, you know, when I watch both of these guys, they kind of remind me a lot of each other, man, because you got Giles, he's got this hand speed. You know, he's real good with the ones and twos, but seems like he kind of likes to grapple more. It seems like that's kind of more of his comfort zone. He likes to be on top and, and laying on guys. And when you really, man, when you really look back in hindsight to the hype that Giles had on him, it was so unwarranted. I mean, when you look at his, he did beat Brennan Allen and Spin and all these guys before the UFC, but sometimes necessarily, man, you see a lot of that on the local scene, man. I mean, I know, you know, for example, a guy that we know, Robert Hill, Cam uh, he beat Cameron Neville, but Cameron Neville is less than 500, if I'm not mistaken. But guess who Cameron Neville beat that's fighting in the UFC, you know? Uh, I mean, look, shit, uh, Alon Cruz, uh, you know, uh, things happen out there on that local scene. And sometimes, you know, his record, you see Span and you see Brendan Allen, and I'm, I think he beat someone else I can't think of. And, you know, you think, man, this guy... Uh, you know, he's a he's a future he's a future top fifteen guy. You know, and Giles honestly it was nowhere near that level. I mean, all he did was beat James Boshnevik, and he couldn't even do it in a round. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He did leave Boshnevik out there on the stretcher, but by, that was a vicious. <laughs> I mean, he, they had to bring the stretcher out, uh, and then he beat Antonio Braganetto, who, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, is out here playing uh, poker these days. Uh, it took was on of, off a three year layoff. I mean, no one had even heard of Braganetto. Uh, for a while there so Trevin had two easy layup fights for his first two fights and then he gets a big step up with Cummings who's around that 500 level and it was one to one I believe going into that third round Giles seemed to be having the faster punches but it seemed like he slowed down it was just a, a guy like Cummings might be able to bring those flaws out and then he fights another grizzled vet like Mershard and he exposes him as well it was the fight IQ you know Mershard no offense is very slow and Giles has a big speed advantage let's why not stay on the outside but man he got baited into that in that grappling match with the with Mershard and uh, you know like I said earlier it seems like Trevin his comfort zone is probably that grappling now Arroyo on the other hand is more of a kicker he likes he needs space he's tall 6'3 I believe he likes to switch stance he's those spin kicks and it seems like Arroyo definitely does have a, a fatigue state that he he can get tired and uh start to you know pull what I like to call Brazilian stunts <laughs> you know uh, he definitely has that in him so I feel like both guys are even. I think that Giles has faster hands. Arroyo has better 
kicks. But one thing I'll say that I like about Arroyo, going into the Andre Maniz fight, you know, Andre Maniz only has one fight in the UFC, uh, had one, two on Contender Series, I believe. One thing about Maniz, me and you both know him. A lot of people might know him, but uh, not a lot of people might not know him. But, man, he's a top-notch black belt for that uh, middleweight division. I mean, we've seen the type of stuff this guy can do on the ground. I mean, you're going to you're gonna see Andre Moniz pull off a lot of submissions in the UFC. And going into that fight, man, I was not convinced that if he got on top of uh, Arroyo, that Arroyo, I mean, Arroyo had been submitted twice before, I believe, with some very stupid mistakes. And I'll tell you what, his grappling has definitely gotten a lot better because I'll tell you, if Trevin fought Andre Moniz, I, <laughs> you might see Trevin uh, sleep on that, on that floor again, man. So... I think it's a very even fight. It's in Trevin's hometown. Arroyo better make this clear. Or they're probably going to give this the, this decision to Trevin. But I might actually go with Arroyo here, man. I feel like Trevin is one of these guys where a couple years ago he had a lot of steam behind him. But I feel like a lot of people don't know he's got that other job. I don't know if he can fully dedicate himself as much as the next guy, like Antonio Arroyo, who's, you know, this is his life, for example, Trevin Giles has a whole nother career. Not saying, you know, not not frowning down upon it or anything like that, but I just think that Trevin Giles has had, uh, I mean, he had a huge layoff in between the, uh, in between the, the Braganetto fight and the Cummings fight because, you know, he was in the process of becoming an officer. Let's see if he's a little bit more comfortable now, but I'm a t I just got a feeling Arroyo's going to come out here and pull off the upset. I'm going to say by unanimous decision. It's a very interesting fight, man. It's a really tough one for me to call because obviously with Ahoyo, I like the fact that very tall for the weight class comes out there firing some serious kicks and I've criticized his ground game in the past. And for someone who I've criticized on the mat, he survived every Andre Mooney's uh, submission attempt. So I got to give him a lot of props for that. But man, I still feel like Arroyo has a lot of room for improvement and might not quite be ready for this level yet. There's a reason he didn't get signed off his first contender series fight, and they signed him off the second one because he won two in a row, but wasn't really because that performance was that impressive, at least in my opinion. Other people might disagree, but I didn't think that performance was anything special. And, and, you know, it's easy for me to say that here, you know, on a chair with a computer in front of me. The guy would absolutely mop the floor with me. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just from... A UFC caliber perspective if we're out here scouting these guys I wasn't quite sold on him yet but I do think he has potential very big guy very aggressive kicks very hard good submission defense and with Trevin Giles he's definitely let a lot of people down his last two fights but the caliber of fighters he fought those last two not not only were they experienced black belts but the amount of fights those guys have in the UFC outside the UFC it was just a big step up in competition. And now I feel like Trevin Giles is fighting a guy that is more so, you know, someone on the same level as him, maybe a step below. And this is the kind of fight where hey, if Trevin Giles doesn't win this fight, he's getting cut. So I think he's, he's not, he actually got a new four fight deal. So yeah, they might yeah. cut it short. Cause that, that'll, be three, <laughs> that'll be three L's in a row. So it, it, it's one of those things where he, he better come out here. And if he loses, he still has to perform, but I think Trevin is going to get it done, man. I think he's slightly more athletic. Interestingly enough, Arroyo's the taller guy. Giles has the reach advantage in this spot, and I think he's going to mix in takedowns, kind of grind it out. It might be really close, but I'm going to say Trevin Giles to just edge out a very close decision here. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Derek the Black Beast Lewis, he's 22-7, and seven, and Ilir the Sledgehammer Latifi is 14-7. and seven. Currently, they got... 
Derek Lewis minus 225 and the comeback on Alir Latifi is plus 185. Well, Shaq, it opened minus 265 for the Black Beast. Now it's minus 225. A lot of action has been coming in on Alir Latifi. And you and I both know, look, the guy's got an awesome gimmick. Uh, you know, the horse lord. Uh, those pictures are awesome. But when it comes to the actual fight itself, uh, I mean, are you buying the hype here? Do you think he knocks out uh, Derek Lewis? Not at all. I think this is. I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little shocked at this. No, look. I'm not saying that Black Beast doesn't go in there and you know do uh, you know an occasional like what the there's not an occasional what the f uh, what the fuck moment from from Black Beast, but you know at the same time, I mean, Alir Latifi was a seven and five light heavyweight. I mean. Lost to Bader by knockout, lost to Ozdemir, lost to, you know, uh, Blachowicz, uh, all by f- uh, finish, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Musasi, and, and again, the Corey Anderson won uh, before the Ozdemir fight. So I think that in all, in all honesty, when you really look at where Latifi was at 205, I know you see the number four or whatever it was next to his name when he fought Corey, but guys, look... <laughs> Sometimes some of the, I mean, look, Ally Kinto was ranked number four at one point in time. Look, sometimes there's one ranking that's just way off, and, and he's not that caliber fighter in my opinion. I think Ilir Latifi is a guy that's he's got good fundamentals. He's from he fight, he's been fighting in that southpaw stance lately. It seems like you know he can catch a couple guys like Sean O'Connell and fucking. You know, uh, and Hans Stringer and shit like that. But every time he stepped up in competition, despite OSP, I don't know why OSP decided to come out in Orthodox. For that. I mean, I, I don't know what happened, but <laughs> I don't know why he did that. But uh, look, OSP is good, but he's on his way out as well, man. Um, I just think Alir is in big, big trouble on Saturday night. Now, I think Derek Lewis in his last fight against Black Go, Black Bagoy Baga, you know, I think he showed a, I don't want to say improvements, but it just seemed like he had a little bit more sense of urgency after he had that big layoff after the J- JDS fight. You know, he had to take care of some injuries. And I feel like he was a little bit more alert in positions and where he was just a little, like, in the clinch, he was turning them a little bit faster, even going for takedowns of his own. He gave up some takedowns as well. But one thing I love about Black Beast, man, when he gets up off bottom, man, he's about to unload a serious barrage of punches on you. And I am not not convinced that Lear Latifi can eat those. I mean, you see him against guys like Bader. He's ducking his head down. He eats a knee. He, he goes out stiff. We've seen him stiff several times. Ozdemir fight. He was face down as well. Corey Anderson fight. You know, Corey put that pressure on him. He's just showing patterns of, he's 37 years old. He's moving up a weight class now. He thinks that this is the answer. This reminds me a lot of uh, Rocco, the wide man. Uh, but he was even never that good. He ain't even no former champion. So I think he's too small for heavyweight. I think the second Black Beast really touches that chin. I mean, he, I think he's going to go out stiff. And Black Beast, I mean, yeah, he's had moments where he's done a lot of shit. But let, let me tell you who that was against. First off, we're talking legitimate stamp top 10 heavyweights, Alex. Alexander Volkov. I mean, Volkov fucking beat Verdum. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Black Beast still knocked him out unconscious. Uh, the Shem- the Shamil Abdurahimov fight. Shamil might not be the best, but he's a stamped top ten heavyweight with wins over Arlovsky and and uh, you know uh, Marcin Sabora. I mean, by knockout. So you know uh, who else has he beaten? Um, Ngannou. He fucking beat Francis Ngannou. I actually call that upset. I mean, look. 
Black Beast is a stamped one. There is no way in hell I see him losing this fight in Houston, in his hometown, to Alir Latifi. He's just too much of a dog. Alir Latifi isn't, and that's just the facts. I think Latifi backs up in a lot of his fights. I don't see if he's thinking he's going to wrestle Black Beast for three rounds. I think he's deep, deeply, deeply mistaken. I don't think he's big enough for that. He can't even do that against Tyson Pedro, barely. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think Black Beast knocks him out in the first round. Yeah, look, you brought up uh, Black Beast get-up game, and I'm really glad that you brought that up, man, because not only is it very impressive, look, he'll be inside control bottom, immediately he'll buck, get right to his knees, get right back up, but when that flurry comes, I mean, it's the kind of flurry that makes up for the fact that he was just taken down. He gets the points back right away, and we're talking about a guy in Black Beast, you know, people like to joke around, you know, about the Popeyes and this and that. Yeah, right. Listen, this is a guy that throws flying knees, head kicks. kicks. The uppercuts come from your mama's house. I mean, this guy is fucking amazing uh, to watch. Swinging when, and banging. When he's teeing off on someone, it's one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen because that he he really epitomizes true violence inside that cage. So I really enjoy watching him fight. And people criticize how Black Beast has low volume. Alir Latifi has lower volume. People criticize how you know Black Beast does questionable things in fights. Latifi has done more questionable things, has been put to sleep more, and quite frankly, is just too small for heavyweight. No five foot eight guy should be fighting at heavyweight. And I know my boy Jeff Monson might have an issue with that, but hey, Jeff. How did how things turn out for Jeff, though? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you ain't top 10 in the, in the heavyweight division, <laughs> are you, buddy? But uh, There was a point where everyone was running. Uh, no, all respect to Jeff Monson. But. And, and look, everyone hearing us talk shit, just know we, we understand this guy would north south choke me and all these things. This ain't about me versus him. Derek Lewis is going to go out there and knock out Alir Latifi, I mean, most likely in the first round. But if it doesn't happen in the first round, hey, this guy's got a knack for going out there and finishing guys in the third, and uh, that might happen as well. So I'm going to go with uh, Black Beast to knock out Alir Latifi here. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Mirsad Bektic, he's 13-2, and two, and Dan 50K Ige is 12-2. and two. Currently, they got Mirsad Bektic minus 135, and the comeback on Dan Ige is plus 115. Well, I know it was originally Dynamite Dan Ige. You like his new nickname, Dan 50K? Change it to Ige? 50K? Yeah, he's, he's trying to send a message here. What do you think? Oh, that's interesting, man. That's some big balls. I like the little face-off they had earlier. You know, uh, Bektik had to take off his shirt. <laughs> he pulled a Kamara. <laughs> he got right in his face, so I can't wait for this fight. Bektik is one of these guys. He's got all the physical attributes. He's been hyped up for so long. I mean, we've been hearing things about Bektik, uh, I mean, for oh, at least over before, well before he was in the UFC, training with, uh, you know, George and Dustin and all those great guys at uh, ATT. Now he switched camps. He's at TriStar. Mursad Bektik. Bektik, man, is an interesting case. He's one of those. He's one of those great athletes who's got, you know, uh, just meant. It just seems like, well, he's got a suspect chin. We know that, but you know, he, he just seems like there's a lot of things going up on in that head. Now, in comparison to Ige, Ige, when he first came into the UFC, I mean, I was not high on him at all. The Arce fight, I mean, he got absolutely dominated. But I think that fight lit a fire under him to, you know, start getting better and started start, uh, you know, achieving things on this level. Now you saw him going there against Jordan Griffin in Milwaukee. Now he's dominated that first round. It seems like he's got a little pattern, a pattern he likes to drop the second round. He dropped that second round big to Griffin, but then he mustered enough uh, cardio up and he was able to get the takedowns in the third round. 
But it was still like, you know, Ige, you know, he's a, he's shaky, man. But then he fought Danny Henry, who, you know, did finish Akeem Dewadu in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> you know, you, you know, if they ran that back, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't go down like that. But that was a very good performance. Finished him in, uh, I think, a minute and some change. Uh, and then the Kevin Aguilar fight was a very good performance. Now, the only thing I'm struggling with is I, I think the Aguilar win was great and all. Aguilar was 17-1, and one, if I'm not mistaken. I was there in attendance. I mean, Ige put on a hell of a, a performance that I didn't think he was going to do. But my only thing is, if you watch Kevin Aguilar fights in the past, I mean, Aguilar gets dropped a lot, gets wobbled a lot. He always finds a way to win for the most part, but I mean, it, I think it possibly might have caught up to him, and Ige was finally the guy to exploit it, but there was plenty of times where you saw Kevin Aguilar getting dropped, wobbled, the Rick Glenn fight, uh, the third round of the Barzola fight, so it was a good win, but I'm is, is Aguilar anywhere on Mursad's level? You know, uh, probably not. I mean, just athletically speaking, uh, he's got Ige beat in the wrestling department, in my opinion, he's faster hands, fast twitch. Uh, it's just that at times, man, he's struggled with his chin. Ige, I feel like, you know, he did open the slight favorite. It seems like he's got a lot of momentum behind him. So I wouldn't be shocked if he came in here and got the upset. It's just that this fight that he's in now with Mursad, unless, unless Mursad really... His chin is really that shot. I just feel like this is a completely different fight. You know, I'm not high on Mursad right now, but I still think he's got some decent fight left in him. I still think he's a top 15 talent-wise fighter. Now, does he perform like that all the time? He just seems like he's so hell-bent on the wrestling. Look, he's probably going to fight the same. I just still view him as slightly better than Dan Ige in every aspect. And I think Ige's... I don't want to say only shot is to to possibly drop him, but the thing, uh, possibly knock him out. But the thing with Ige is, man, he likes to grapple. You know, he might try to take Mursad's back in those type of situations. And I just feel like if they tie up, Mursad's going to be a lot stronger. So I think that Mursad's probably going to edge out a decision. But from a betting perspective, Mursad's is very shaky, man. I feel like he's got a lot of things going on up in that head. He's a kind of a prima donna uh and he's kind of been put on this pedestal from a very early spot in his career when he might have not necessarily deserved it. So Ige has been getting better fights to fight. I'm interested to see what happens, but I'm going to say Mursad backed it by unanimous decision. But uh, from a betting perspective, it's Dogger Pass. Yeah, this is another fight that's very tough for me to call, man, because... With Mirsad Bektik, he's almost like the complete package in terms of the output, but it's just... How does he react to these shots? That's always been my issue. And it's not just because he got knocked out against Josh Emmett his last fight. I know people like to talk about, well, he got knocked out by a jab. I mean, look, Josh Emmett's one of the hardest hitters in that weight class. And when your forward momentum's going like that, it's not just about, oh, he got dropped by a jab. No, he ran into that jab and went down. Like, it, I, I don't think it was a stunt. I just think the guy's chin has been suspect since his UFC debut. I mean, we all remember, or at least I remember, when Chas Kelly knocked him out in the second round. Now, back then, it was before the unified rules. So, you know, they, they took a point. It ended up, you know, being a majority decision. But if that was in, in 2020's rules, that's a second-round TKO for Chas Skelly. Also, the Elkins fight where he's absolutely dominating the guy to a point where you're wondering when the ref's going to step in. You're wondering when the corner's going to throw in the towel. And then it's Elkins that goes out there and knocks out Bektich. So it's one of those things where you have to respect the power of Dan Ige because, I mean, this guy's floored a bunch of his opponents. In that last fight with Aguilar, People only remember that he got on top of him. People don't remember in that first round he dropped him with a clean hook. So, man, 
these pocket exchanges are going to be very, very interesting. It's just, I do agree with you that Mirsa's the better fighter in this spot. He's so much more physical than Dan Ige. And Dan Ige does this thing where he rocks guys and he tends to take their back. And oftentimes it'll work out. He can choke you out. But I've seen in other fights he gets slipped off the back. And then once he's on his own back, not that his get-up game isn't on point. That's not the case. It's just more so that he expends so much energy trying to get that finish. It's like, hey, well, maybe we need to take a little breather here, you know. And that gives his opponents a chance to come back. And against a guy like Mirsad Bektik, when he's on top of you, I'm not convinced that Ige is going to be able to get back up. So it is another coin flip type fight for me. But I agree with you, man. I think the physical attributes of, of Bektich can uh, can trump Dan Ige in this spot. But I wouldn't go crazy at the betting window because, you know, you got to you gotta question uh, the guy's durability. And I got to see firsthand if he can take these shots. So I'm going to pick Bektich by split decision. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be tuning in uh, very closely here on Saturday night. And next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between... Juan Adams, he's five and two, and Justin Taffa is three and one. Currently, they got Juan Adams minus two fifty in the comeback on Justin Taffa's plus two ten. Well, Shaq, I know the fans I have to battle. Remember, we successfully faded Juan Adams in both of his last fights, both at dog money on Arjan and Greg Hardy. I mean, you think uh, it's gonna be a third? Uh, <laughs> you think it's gonna be a third upset here? You think this guy's about to get slept? Yeah, it's a very another good matchup. Both guys are, you know, around the same level in my opinion. Tafel was probably needed a couple more fights uh, before he was in the UFC, but hey, man, the UFC needs heavyweights, and I feel like a lot of people forget forget that about Juan Adams. You know, Juan Adams, his contender series performance against Sean Teed. I mean, uh, Sean Teed is a complete can, and. Dana White signed him for what reason? He's six five. We need heavyweights. <laughs> we need heavyweights. You know what I'm saying? I look. I mean, look. Let's the honest truth about it is they'll pretty much sign any heavyweight uh, that fights on contender series. I mean, Dante Mays got signed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, if you're a heavyweight and you win on contender series, Alan Crowder. Alan Crowder. I mean, you you're getting signed. I mean, they. I mean, you're gonna get picked up. So I think that Juan Adams came in labeled as some prospect. Like, oh my God, this new heavyweight. But like me and you both know the kid was, you know. Off, right? But I will say I'm struggling with his mindset, you know, coming into this fight because I feel like he is saying some good things. We I think uh, everyone for the most part knows that he switched camps. He's in uh, New Mexico now, which even if he's not necessarily working with Wink and, and, and Greg is probably a better situation for him than his uh his gym in Houston. But uh, the reason I'm going to say this is because, I mean, look, if you guys go to Juan Adams IG, he's been he's been getting very, very intimate in his uh, in his IG post. And it's been like that for a while. And and the reason why I say this is because I know that the kid is kind of a mental case. I mean, I'm not, you know, sh uh, shaming anyone with mental health. I mean, everyone struggles with with mental health. But I'm saying, I mean, look how he was acting before the Greg Hardy fight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, look how he was acting before the Bueller fight. He was talking about eating Twinkies. He was talking about uh, eating oatmeal cream pies and double stuffed Oreos after weigh-ins. And then the Greg Hardy fight, we we already know. We don't need to get into details about that. But, you know, I, I feel like there's a chance where he's kind of overcompensating a little bit uh, to kind of... To make up for those, uh, for that foolishry that he, uh, that he, that he, uh, did those last two fights. So, but I think the kid probably is coming a lot better. He, he says he's got a new stance. Uh, so I feel like we probably will see the best Juan Adams. Now, Tafa, on the other hand, we really don't have much to go off of. Is a lot of his fights out there in Australia. I don't want to say we're freak shows, but we all we really know is that he comes from a striking family and he throw, he's got some good hands. You know, we, the other parts of his game, 
it seemed pretty decent in in the clinch against the Castro. I just feel like he made a, a small mistake that you know a rookie mistake at three and zero, and it, it kind of seemed like he actually clipped the Castro and initially with a straight hand rushed in and, and got caught. So uh, the Castro's uh, one of these underrated fighters. That, the Castro's actually fighting Greg Hardy uh, coming up here shortly, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm excited for that fight. But I just think Tafa fought a guy that is actually somewhat going places, as where. You know, Juan Adams, I just feel like, unless he makes big improvements, man, I just feel like this is somewhat of a 50-50 fight. I'll slightly lean. Uh, I feel like Juan Adams should be the favorite here just because he has at least one UFC win, and uh, he's fought three times here, and he's had more fights on the local scene. So I agree with him being a favorite, but minus two, you know, something for a guy that, for what he has shown right now is bad footwork, suspect cardio, uh just you know irrational decisions in there so you know i think that he's probably gonna win but from a betting perspective i just wouldn't play it unless he's really this new man that he claims to be i mean if he was ever gonna do it i guess tafa would be you know somewhat the type of guy but tafa man he might show a lot better he's been in thailand training he comes from this big striking family maybe he feels a lot more comfortable uh in his second his second time in there and i feel like tafa wasn't really too down on that ko loss i feel like his coaches kind of picked him up very well they told him you know we'll be back and i feel like he uh has a more even killed mental state you know so i i feel like tafa as a good, I mean, it's heavyweight, and Wild Adams makes it, leaves his chin in the air. He makes a lot of mistakes, man. So I think it's a, a dogger pass from a betting perspective. But I, I mean, if you told, if you say Juan Adams is more developed, I'm not gonna disagree with you. So, you know. yeah, look, it's an interesting fight. Obviously, you guys know how we feel about Juan Adams. Uh, I mean, any guy who's in the UFC bragging about how they hide Oreos under their pillows, like, it's just red flag, man. Like, that's not how a true professional athlete acts. And this whole thing about him being a D1 wrestler and stuff. Yeah, oh, my, oh, whoever said he was a D1 wrestler is, like, that was so false, bro. Like, they're acting man. like he's some All-American. The dude had over 30 losses in wrestling. <laughs> like, what are you fucking talking about? The only reason he made the team was there were five guys in his weight class. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, one of those things where, you know, so so after the last loss where, you know, this guy's allegedly a wrestler and, and, you know, he folds on a single leg, which is allegedly his realm where he should have success. So then he moves to Jackson Wink. Now I know Jackson Wink, you know, they have a reputation for being a great gym, even though you and I both know that lately shit's changed. It's basically John. Team it's, John. it's called Jones Wink now. <laughs> you know, it's uh, Jones Wink. <laughs> but uh, we don't give a shit about you if your name's not John Jones or Holly Holm. And that's, <laughs> and that's just facts. <laughs> but uh, so he flies to Jackson Wink to do this camp. Right. And you imagine that if some guy is flying to another state that he's not from, he's living in the dorms, he's doing the whole bit. Hey, the guy's got to be living in the gym. Right. Yeah. I mean, technically he's living in the gym because he's in the dorms. But when I talk about living in the gym, what I mean is you're showing up in the a.m. and you're there until the gym closes. You know what I'm saying? You might be doing a little extracurricular. You might be the guy wiping down the mats. But from what I've seen, because I've been following this guy very closely, he's got teammates from Jackson Wink hitting him up on IG being like, hey, man, are you showing up to the gym today? When you have people asking, are you showing up to the gym today? So you're saying he's skipping practice here and there. I mean, 
to skip practice in your hometown, okay, that's already unacceptable. But when you're flying and you're supposed to be living here, you're supposed to be fully consumed and immersed in all these things. And people are still asking you, hey, are you showing up to the gym today? And they're like, what time are you going to be there? It's like, dude, clearly he's not living in the gym. Clearly he's not there 24-7. like a small injury or something? And then another thing. So this camp was during the holidays. Justin Taffa did this whole camp in Thailand with Tiger Muay Thai. He's got a very well-rounded program over there. I know for a fact Justin Taffa stayed away from his family, sacrificed a lot, did not fly home for the holidays, basically been living in camp the whole time. You know who did fly home for the holidays? Mr. Uh, Little Debbie uh, Juan Adams. And this is a guy who— You think he had a Twinkie? So you you want to tell me that Juan Adams flew home for the holidays and I was supposed to believe he didn't eat anything while he was home with his family? Like, come on, man. I definitely question the mental state. 100% I still do. Physically speaking, big boy, 6'5", 81-inch reach, the whole bit. But, man, the stand-up, the footwork is just not developed yet. And this fight stays standing. And Juan Adams likes to stand and strike with all his opponents. You watch that fight uh, on Contender Series and... He actually had a very nice takedown early on, but then he lets his opponent back up because he wants to stand and bang with him. He starts doing shit like that here, and I think he might hit the deck. Now, the whole argument here is, oh, Juan Adams only needs one takedown. The fight will be over shortly after. I disagree. I think if Justin Taffa can come out here and survive on the ground in that early going, come back in the second round, I think he can knock out Juan Adams here. Look, I've seen Justin Taffa in some very bad spots, but I've also seen him overcome all those bad spots. All he's got to do here is survive this first round against Juan Adams, come out there in the second round. I think he's going to knock out Juan Adams. So I'm going with Justin Taffa to get a huge upset here. Co-main event of the evening for the flyweight belt. We got Valentina Bullet Shevchenko. She's 18-3. and And Caitlin Chukagian is 13-2. and Currently, they got Valentina Shevchenko minus 1,000. The comeback on Caitlin Chukagin is plus 650. Well, Shaq, uh, needless to say, a lot of action has been coming in on the underdog, uh, Caitlin Chukagin. It went from minus 1250 to minus 1,000 here on Valentina. Do you think Caitlin Chukagin can run around the ring, make tennis sounds, and steal this title? No, no. <laughs> uh, you know, Chikagian's a good fighter, but, man, what's happened every time she, she took, you know, uh, that number one contender type fight? Uh, when she fought Jessica I, what happened when she fought Liz Carmouche? What happened? I mean, she got bullied. She got pushed back. Uh, didn't respond well. I mean, those girls came after her. Valentina's definitely more of a counter striker, but, man, Valentina's, you know, head and shoulders uh, better than everyone in that division. I see her running things in that division for a long time until she's ready for crack number three at Nunes. So I respect Chukagian. Matter of fact, a lot of people are shitting on Chukagian this week because allegedly she she uh, left her dog in some crate or something like that. So, you know, uh, a lot of people are betting, uh, might start betting Valentina by KO here soon. <laughs> but uh, I think that Valentina's going to win this fight, man. Uh, by decision or finish... Well, probably most likely decision, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked, man. Those body kicks, those high kicks are super hard. I mean, you heard the sound when that landed on Eye's forehead, man. I mean, that was scary. So, Chukagian, uh, I ain't convinced, you know, uh, a nice, sweet little blonde girl like her is going to be able to take that. So, I'm a Valentina. I'm going to say Valentina by fourth round finish. Look, I respect Chukagian. Um, she's definitely a winner. She wins a lot of fights. Uh, it's always fun to talk about the grunt and run, the tennis sounds, the whole bit. But to quote BJ Penn before the first Frankie Edgar fight, 
And, you know, he says he, I'm going to say she, uh, she can run around the ring all she wants, but sooner or later she's going to have to step up and that's going to be when. So basically she might be running around, but Valentina is going to cut off that ring. And when the time comes, it's going to be a devastating shot. So I actually will go with Valentina to finish the very elusive Caitlin Chukagan here. Main event of the evening for the light heavyweight title. We got the GOAT. John Bones Jones, he's 27-0, and and Dominic Reyes is 12-0. Currently, they got John Bones Jones, minus 450, and the comeback on Dominic Reyes is plus 360. Well, I'm just going to start out by saying, John Jones is literally the most talented and well-rounded fighter I have ever seen in my life. His skill set, technicality, fight IQ, in-fight adjustments, creativity, and durability are absolutely off the charts. When you talk about artists... I mean, obviously, you can look through his whole career to find innovative moments and moves, but how about his most recent fights in which he's been criticized for, Shaq? I say watch round four versus Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Who else is out here faking flying knees and midair switching to flying sidekicks to the knee? This guy is truly something else, and no matter what you throw at John Jones, he will keep moving forward the whole time. Who else walks down Tiago Maheda Santos on the feet for five straight rounds? No one. The only thing Jones doesn't have is one-punch KO power, but he makes up for it with crazy volume, a peppering style that really discourages his opponents and forces them to wilt under his pressure and presence. And like we mentioned earlier on in the intro, this guy, you know, he's got a home gym. He's got the recovery stuff down, the, the own trainers. And when I talk about home gym, for other fighters, that might be a red flag. With John Jones, when I say home gym, I'm talking about a state-of-the-art gym where this guy's got red light therapy. This guy's got a hyperbaric chamber. He's got his own massage therapist, the whole bit. When I was alluding to earlier about how he's got his own coaches for everything, his own personal private jujitsu coach who's a black belt world champion his own muay thai coach who you know is a respected crew over in thailand crew is like what you call the professors there you know the well-respected muay thai guys then he's got a boxing coach then he's got you know what i'm saying he's got the game plan coach he's got the whole bit to go with here jones and wink and man it's unbelievable to see what this guy has done i mean who else has been a champion for over a decade straight it's unlike anything i've ever seen before but the outside stuff that, that happened to him kind of makes people forget about this guy's greatness. But when you take all that stuff aside and you just put on a John Jones fight and you watch this guy, oh my God, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. And it's funny because fights that we've criticized in the past, like I remember when we watched the Anthony Smith fight live, you know, it was kind of, you know, since, since Anthony Smith had lost like 16 times, you know, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a first round finish. So when it wasn't a first round finish live, I was kind of I actually like, said it was going to go five rounds. Like live, I kind of thought, man, you know, it wasn't the best. But then when I rewatched it recently, I was like, oh my God, this guy is such a virtuoso. I'm reminded every single time how good this guy is. And he loves beating guys at their own game. That's, uh, that's something really interesting he brings to the table. Now with Dom Reyes, what I like or what he's got going for him here is that he's probably going to be the only guy since Gustafsson the first time to match the height. And, and I say the first time because the second time Gustafsson was one fight away from retirement. So his, his heart wasn't into it. But the first time they fought, I mean, you remember, even though John clearly won that fight in my mind, at least Gustafsson went out there and gave him a real fight. That was the, the last six foot five guy he fought, you know, the first time. And now uh, Dominic Reyes, he's got that going for him. He's a big boy. He's six foot five. He can move. He's got a nice little uh, volume style. I, I, I like what he brings to the table, but Speaking about the size, you know he's got a 7-inch reach disadvantage here against John Jones. And the mental warfare that these two have been playing, man, it really seems like right now, you know, you don't always want to buy into this kind of stuff, but it really seems like right now, like, Jones has a big mental advantage. I'm hearing Dom Reyes talk about how, you know, 
Chris Weidman beat Anderson and I beat Chris. Therefore, it's like, dude, Anderson and Chris are a thing of the past. Like, what is, the is, that, is that really, about? is that really, really said? Yeah. He said, he said, Chris beat Anderson and I beat Chris. Therefore, uh, it's like, dude, like, like, what are you saying right now? Chris has been washed up for how long? Was he laughing when he said it? No, he was a hundred percent serious. Like Jones was even like, dude, is he really saying it's a quote BJ Penn again? Did he really say this shit? <laughs> you know? So it's it's like, man, I'm really questioning Dom Reyes' mentality here. This is such a big moment for him. And I know he seems confident in all these things, but when it comes down to get under those lights, we saw the last big fight he had. And I, I know Chris Weidman was the last big fight he had. But, I mean, the last big fight he had against a real light heavyweight against Volcan. Now, I personally scored it for Dom Reyes, but, man, that was a very close fight. Too, it was the mirror one. Too close for comfort in the sense that I'm not sure how he's going to perform here against John Jones. I think the first round will be the scariest because Reyes does bring power. But, man, one thing about Reyes is his volume historically wanes. I mean, you look at that OSP fight, and he goes out there that first round. He's teeing off on him, but then the second and third round, I mean, he landed more in the first round than he did the second and third rounds combined. So I definitely think that his volume slows down, whereas John Jones gets better as the fights go on. So I think John Jones is going to pick this guy apart. He's going to take him down, and I think he's going to pound him out. I'm going with John Jones and still the light heavyweight champion of the world. I think Dom Reyes is a very talented guy, and he'll be back, but it's first L time on Saturday, Shaq. Yeah, I think Dom Reyes probably could have used one more fight after the Weidman fight, probably, you know, against a Blackovich or a Lionheart or something like that. Uh, and we didn't get to see it, man. Uh, John Jones shows him. Yeah, John Jones, I mean, what makes him so great is he's just got a variety of different techniques, man, that he can go to at any point in the fight. And, and they're just not typical techniques that you see, you know, the oblique kicks, the uh, shoulder bumps, the, the elbows from distance, man. Guys don't usually know how to react to that, and he he's just so smart on the fly. So John Jones is definitely an all-time great. Reyes, I've been very high on him. I, I like Reyes a lot. Um, it just seems that, you know, I... I think he's got a bright future. I think he could potentially be a champion one day. It's just, man, I would have loved to see another dog fight. You know, the the Ozdemir fight, I thought he sucked it up and, and won that, stole that second round from Ozdemir and dominated the third round. So I, I liked what I seen there. It's just, man, let me see it against Lionheart, you know. Let me see it against, uh, you know, just to see him in more spots. But maybe there's something we don't know. But, yeah, you got to go with John Jones here. I think that. You know, I will say this. He he, got, he needs to be careful early because I think Reyes is going to be very emotional on Saturday night, and I think he's going to come out, you know, swinging very heavy early on. And Reyes is an athlete, you know, former D1 football player, so he's definitely got the athletic tools to put John to sleep. It's just uh, after that fight, man, once that after that first round when that reality sets in and John Jones has dropped rounds in the past and come back to dominate guys. I mean, you look at the Mahetta fight, which I, you know, I personally scored four to one for uh, for John Jones. Uh, you know, it just seemed that uh, it seemed like a much more I don't want to say one sided fight, but it just seemed more like John was just uh, controlling the action. Which he, I mean, there's nothing wrong with controlling the action. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think that. He's definitely, I mean, he's obviously older, but the guy's just technical ability is just second to none. So I think he's probably going to win a 49-45 here, uh, you know, a, a lopsided decision in the late rounds. And Reyes will be back, but, man, I, you know, a couple months back I really liked Reyes, but it's just, man, if I could have just seen him fight a Blackovich or a Lionheart to, or just one more dog fight to see how he really reacts under that, in that flame, then, uh, then I could have made a better decision here, but John Jones, man, he's a 
he he's top notch. He's he's a goat. So I gotta go John Jones by uh, a, a lopsided decision. And now we gotta hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself, Kyle. It's going down this Saturday in H-Town. The GOAT, John Jones, defending his title against a, a very big and athletic opponent in Dominic Reyes. How's it going? It's good, man. I always like John Jones fight weeks, and we got another $100,000 up top on DraftKings. Uh, it's the second time we've had that in like the last month. Uh, so it's good to see the sport moving forward, at least, and getting these six-figure prizes. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. We're starting this daily fan MMA radio this week. So it's, it's just a good week all around and hopefully a winning one as well. Yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and tell the fans all about that. But before we do that, we got to let them know that Kyle Marley's bets are available at bestfightpicks.com uh, this week. I know you got two plays ready to go so they can get that at bestfightpicks.com. But for all our fans listening, Kyle Marley, myself, Brett Apley, and Sun Tzu, two of the most respected guys in fantasy MMA, Man, we started a, a new thing now, a radio show on Patreon. It's only $1 for the first month. Go to patreon.com slash MMA radio. And basically what we're going to be doing is it's going to be completely different than half the battle Monday through Friday. It's going to be sports talk radio, but related to MMA. We're not going to be on there, you know, giving you our picks and betting advice and this and that. It's going to honestly just be an entertainment based uh, radio show. And it's really awesome to get to talk about new things that we haven't done in the past, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. We just get to shoot the shit each week about MMA. I like talking to all you guys. I think it'll flow real nicely. And then we got some things going on with the listeners where they can get involved. Hopefully we can win them some money. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited to get started. Go check it out. He gave you guys the link. First month, if you sign up, it's $1. And then after that, it goes up to $9.99. I think it's still well worth it. If you break it down for five shows weekly, uh, I'm looking forward to starting. Man, it's going to be so awesome. Like you mentioned, getting the fans involved, you know, whether it's a topic write-in or fan voicemail. I mean, we literally want the fans to be as involved as possible. And $1, I mean, look, I understand if you got to make that collect call, but if you don't, don't spend that $1 on a candy bar. Go ahead and spend that $1 on 20 podcasts per month by guys like us. So that's what we're going to do, patreon.com slash MMA radio and uh Kyle let's get right down to business my man because in the main event you got the GOAT John Jones at 9400 Dominic Reyes is 6800 now I guarantee this is the first time you've ever seen a 6800 next to Dominic Reyes's name but that being said uh he ain't fighting uh Chris Weidman anymore uh Kyle yeah man this is definitely his hardest matchup yet and the price tag is deserved uh, I think John Jones is the better fighter everywhere in this fight, and he's one of my favorite plays of the week on DraftKings. <clears throat> my worry is that he goes out there and does what he did in his last fight with Santos and doesn't look for any takedowns and just wants to strike with Reyes and prove he's the better striker because he only put up 60 DraftKings points against Santos, and that crushed my night on DraftKings when they fought. I don't want that to happen again here. But I do think he has a big ceiling. If he does look for takedowns, I think he can finish this fight with a submission or ground and pound finish. So I do like John Jones a lot here. Um, I just won't be all in because of his last fight. I want to fade this fight in some lineups. I also don't think we have a 100-point floor here, so I don't want to stack it in cash either. So it's just going to be Jones in my cash game lineup. And then Reyes will be a guy I take like maybe one, two max shots on just because he has that knockout potential. I do think Reyes might be the second best in the division. He's right there anyways with the next crop of guys, but 
John Jones is in a tier to himself as the greatest in the division, the greatest that's ever fought in the sport. And hopefully he shows that again this weekend and doesn't go out there with a lackluster performance like he had against Santos. So in the co-main event, you got Valentina Shevchenko taking on Caitlin Chukagan. And similar to John Jones, I mean, this isn't 9,400, uh, Kyle. This is 9,500 for Valentina Shevchenko. And it's kind of been hit or miss with her on DraftKings, not in terms of going out there and getting the win, but in terms of going out there and scoring highly. Because you look at her fight with Jessica I, and I know for a fact that uh, whoever had that had the winning lineup, uh, you know, assuming your other five spots were good to go. But if you pick Valentina against Liz Carmouche, I, I take a wager you didn't have a similar result. So my question for you, Kyle, is are you looking to put Valentina in there? Or are you kind of thinking that Caitlin might run away? It might be a frustrating fight. Yeah, kind of the same deal. I could. I mean, she only scored 65 points against Carmouche. And with Chukagian running around the cages the whole time, I could definitely see another 65, 75-point win from Shevchenko um, throughout five rounds. And it, it just depends on what fight metric wants to count as significant strikes as well. So I, I don't love Shevchenko here in GPPs. I think this is a good fight to fade, especially this being a championship fight. Maybe she gets a little bit over-owned for that. But I think the best use of her is just in cash games. She's the safest win on the card with her minus 1,000 betting line. Um, I'm fine throwing her in cash games and taking a, a close to guaranteed win, even if it is like 75 points. But in GPPs, we're going to need the highest scores, the highest possible score to get that $100,000 win. So that's what I'm going for. And I don't see her being on that lineup, especially when John Jones is cheaper. So. I would much rather just go to John Jones, and I think this is a fight we can get away from. Now, let me ask you this, because obviously everything you said is very logical. But now let's say in the event that Valentina goes out there and knocks Caitlin Chukagian out. Is there at all a possibility of having both Jones and Shevchenko in your lineups, or is that going to just muddy up the waters and prevent you from taking other winners? Uh, I mean, I'm not against it if you can fit it, but I just think it's kind of hard to fit this week. There's not a whole lot of underdogs I love, so just – paying for the the highest two fighters especially when they're champs and they might be over owned especially john jones he'll be super chalk so i just don't think you're differentiating yourself from the field as much going with those two even though they are super popular you're just gonna have to take dives down low and it's gonna be hard for those guys to win and even if you do you're probably gonna tie with other people as well so i, I don't love that build this week and i'm hoping that the public does so i can kind of get away from it well, you said we need a big finish on our lineup, and I have, I have a feeling, man, that this heavyweight fight between Juan Adams and Justin Taffa has the potential to produce just that. The question is, do you think the wrestling of Juan Adams will be the difference here, or you see uh, Mark Hunt's protege, Justin Taffa, coming out here and knocking him out? Yeah, I mean, I think Adams is the better fighter everywhere here, and he, he could dominate if he can get takedowns here. I think if he gets a takedown, he's probably going to finish with ground and pound. Uh, I think he's the better striker as well. Tafa's coming off uh, a knockout loss only four months ago where his lives were completely shut out. Uh, now these these guys are big boys. It could definitely happen again. Maybe it's not even going to take the biggest punch this time. Maybe Adams could stiff him, stiffen him up with a jab or something. But I do like him for the takedown ability. And he's only 8,800, so if he can go out there, get one takedown, and then finish with ground and pound, there's a decent shot he ends up on that 100K lineup. So I do like Adams here. Tafa, I would say has more one-punch power of the two. So I'm not against using Tafa in a lineup or two, but my preferred play is definitely Adams, and he's a guy that I will for sure look to get into some DraftKings lineups this week. Um, and I like him in all formats. I could definitely see 100-plus points from him. 
So in the featherweight division, you got a matchup between Mirsad Bektich and Dan Ige. And man, uh, seems like a 50-50 fight on paper, but I have a feeling that one side will be very dominant whichever way it plays out. Do you have a lean in this fight or are you looking to get action on both? I probably will have uh, some lineups with both, but my preferred play is Bektik. I just think he's the better wrestler. Uh, Ige doesn't have great takedown defense, so I'm pretty sure Ige is going to land up on his back multiple times in this fight and, and probably multiple times in the first round. Maybe Bektik can even get a ground-and-pound finish there and, and score really highly if that's the case. So I do want some Bektik lineups. Um and I like that they're priced in that mid-range, so only $8,300. That's that's not too much. And Ige at $7,900, if he wins, he's probably going to pay that off. So I want a little bit of exposure to him as well, but I think he's kind of going to be a popular underdog this week. And I might go underweight to the field because I don't see him having a whole lot of success on the ground unless he can tire out Bektik. And most of his success will probably come on the feet, and I just don't see him scoring highly in that case unless he gets a knockout. So... I'm probably going to be a bit overweight to Bektik and a bit underweight to Ige, but I will have some lineups with both guys. Look, I mean, when both guys are on their game 100%, uh, they can go out there and put up serious points. I mean, I know for a fact that Kyle Marley remembers that night that Mirsad Bektik went out there and destroyed Lucas Martins. Uh, I heard that was a high score, wasn't it? <laughs> Let me check on that now. Martins, 121, yeah. And he also scored 115 against Doan, 106 against uh pepe so he's he's got a big ceiling in him it's just ige is better than all of those guys so it's kind of hard to see him racking up 100 plus here unless he does get the finish but i do think he will go out there get multiple takedowns and i think i think that'll be enough for him to get two of the three rounds one and get his hand raised so yeah i'm gonna prefer bectic here but i wouldn't i wouldn't hate it if you wanted to fade bectic and, and go over the way to on ige just because he is the better grappler. He's a better strikler. He's he's a live dog here on a card where I don't like many underdogs. And Kyle, last but not least, you got the Black Bees, Derek Lewis, fighting in H-Town once again. He's undefeated in Texas, taking on the sledgehammer, Alir Latifi. Uh, I have a feeling, like I usually do with heavyweight fights, these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls. Uh, question is, who's going to fall? I think Latifi's most likely to fall here. Um, the issue is that Lewis just doesn't throw any volume. So we are purely relying on Latifi to fall. We need that knockout for Lewis to pay off his 9K price tag. Um, and we need it early. If he gets a third-round knockout, he could score like 60, 70 points still. And at 9K, that's not going to get it done. And if he wins a decision, he might score under 50. He's, he won uh, the Nganu fight. He had 40 points in a decision win, which is just ridiculous. So that's not a guy I really like paying 9K for. I do want a little bit of exposure to him because he could get that first-round knockout. And if he scores more than, like, Shevchenko and, and people above him, then he's got a shot of being on that 100K lineup. So I will take a couple lineups with him. Uh, but Latifi's probably going to be a fade for me. I just don't see him scoring highly. Even if he does get the win here, it's probably going to be him holding Lewis against the cage, maybe landing a couple takedowns. But he's not a high-volume guy either. So even at his cheap price tag, I don't think he's getting 10x. So he's just going to be a fade for me with my 10 to 20 lineups. But if I was making like 150, then I'm getting exposure to both sides of this fight. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. It's going down this Saturday in Houston, Texas. They can follow you at Big Marley 3. Your bets and your write-ups are available at bestfightpicks.com. Yes, sir, man. I hope we all have a big week. I uh, look forward to talking to you 
after the card uh, on Daily Fan MMA Radio. Yes, sir. We'll speak soon, Kyle. Best of luck this weekend, and everybody go buy Kyle Marley's bets at bestfivepicks.com. Yes, sir. Let's get it. Good luck. Well, before we answer these fan questions, I want to let all the fans know to go to bestfivepicks.com and use that promo code 2020 to save 20% off our VIP bets. Bestfivepicks.com. Let's get it this weekend. And Shaq, let's answer these fan questions, man. So Jack Scott wants to know, what is your opinion on a DC versus Stipe trilogy fight, and who do you think takes it? Uh, what is my opinion? Well, I think Stipe, well, I'll answer the second part. I think Stipe would take it, not counting Cormier out. Uh, Cormier is getting up there in age. Uh, my opinion on it is, man, I kind of agree. Steep, look, I'm not, I'm not against it. I mean, if they fight a third time, I, I'm down to see it 100%. It's just that from what I've been hearing from Stipe lately is that he wants to fight someone new. He, I feel like he's kind of hoping Rosenstrike can somehow, you know, come in here and, and beat uh, Francis so he could fight him or Blades. or Blades. You know, I feel like that's more the direction he wants to go in. And I, and I don't believe, I mean he's been heavyweight, two-time champ. I mean, he, and look, <laughs> I understand why he doesn't want to fight Francis. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't want to fight Francis either. <laughs> I beat him already. <laughs> I mean, look, he beat him 50-45. So, like, I get where the guy's coming from. Like, he's like, bro, I'm not fighting Francis again. Like, and that sucks for Francis. Uh, but Stipe can call the shots right now. And my opinion on this is I kind of agree with him. I kind of want to see something something fresh. I kind of want to see something new. But if they did it, man, I don't, I'm, who wouldn't be down to see DC and Stipe, Stipe fight? Yeah, look, Jack, it would be a great fight. I think the reason Stipe's got a lot of hesitation, he says at least, is he took a lot of eye damage from DC. So I think he kind of doesn't want that anymore. But, man, if they make that fight, you know I'll be tuning in. Herman Martinez says, what are your top three online sports book for MMA and why? Much love as always. Much love to you, brother. Uh, we're not going to mention any names until uh, one of these guys wants to put some money up to get their name mentioned on half the battle. But, you know, if you go to bestfightpicks.com and you click on our odds on the top right section, uh, you'll definitely be led to some good ones, my man. Matthew Drucker says, is Juan Adams the biggest joke, pun intended, in the heavyweight division? We're going to find out Saturday night if that's the case or not, honestly, because if Taffa loses to him, then uh, what does that make him, right? Um, I wouldn't say he's the biggest joke in the heavyweight division. I'd say that would probably be Todd Duffy or, or Jeff Hughes, uh, <laughs> Jarvis Danho, you know, uh, that's one of those guys. Manny wants to know, I think people are unfair to discredit John Jones of his greatness. What do you guys think? 100% agree, Manny. It's just, uh, you know, people try to make this too personal. They try to act, you know, because he did some shit outside the cage, therefore let's discredit how amazing he is and how much of a virtuoso he is in the cage. But I've never seen a fight yeah. better than John I'll Jones. Buddy. I'll say what. I like that he's finally, when he first came in, the whole Jesus act I thought was a joke, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I like how he's finally starting to be more of himself, so, you know. Mikey says, do you question Bectic's heart after a poor outing and basically giving up against Emmett? Bro, no, I don't think he I gave up, man. I think he got knocked out. Emmett's one of the hardest hitters in the division. I mean, let me, have you seen what Emmett did to Ricardo Lamas? Did you see what he did to Michael Johnson? And matter of fact, go YouTube Josh Emmett versus Christos Giagos. I mean, Emmett's got an extensive history for putting dudes on ice skates. And he had a 10-7 round against uh, the first 10-7 round in UFC history against uh, Aranta. So, history. Yeah, featherweight history. So. You know, Emmett, I don't think he pulled a stunt at all. I think Emmett's a hard, hard hitter. Yeah, I agree. The MMA casual says, does Dan Ige have the EPO connection? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, he Ige's might. been criticized for his cardio in the past, so I don't think but so. But he always finds more in the, in the late, in that third round. So <laughs> maybe, uh, 
Now, nah, does he have an EPO connection? I'm going to say no. Yeah. Havenwood Jim says, do you like the idea of a fighter being unbeatable, you know, a Khabib or a Jones, or do you prefer the idea that everyone has at least one kryptonite opponent? Yeah, more of the latter. I think the longer you go, there's always, I mean, I can't think of anyone who's got out the sport undefeated. Ixon. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> uh, but nah, I, I, you know, Khabib's the only guy that's uh, him and John are the only undefeated guys. So I mean, uh, but I mean, it's about retiring at the right time and not coming back. That's really what it's about. Yeah, I agree, man. You know, if Khabib hangs it up right now, or John Jones hangs, then it up he right can now, say he's undefeated. Hey, go out undefeated, but you know, I, I don't think that you know, for for ninety to ninety five percent of fighters, no, they're all going to take yeah, that they, L. But there could be an exception like the Floyd Mayweather of MMA, which is which might be what Jones and Habib really are. So I'm very curious to see if those two can retire undefeated or not. Charles Fogel says, "Is this Jones' last fight ever at two hundred five? Not in my opinion. I, I'm nah, not, not ever. Nah, not ever. But I think there's a chance he goes up to heavyweight after this. Yeah, he might take a couple fights up. But I think that look, if he loses this fight, automatic rematch. Um, but if he wins, he's mentioned himself he wants to fight Corey Anderson and Johnny Walker. So I still think he wants to <laughs> Johnny Walker is out the fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Jones said he wanted. <laughs> Yvonne wants to know, hey, guys, do you think Bektich Ige would be fight of the night, or should we rather expect the bullet Shevchenko to head kick Chuk's head into the fifth row? No, I'm not expecting that one to get fight of the night. Uh, I'm thinking they might tie up a little bit in that fight. Uh, my fight of the night, I'm going to say it's going to be, uh, man, there's a couple of good ones. You got uh, a couple of inter- uh, Martinez and Ul could be fight of the night. Uh I just don't. I don't feel like that. So I do with Mursad, The way Mursad fights, I don't see Mursad having the heart to, to to be in a, a fight of the night where he went, you know, fifteen and you know had a war with the guy. He's either gonna win clean or he's either gonna, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to that fight though, and a bullet head kick will definitely get her a performance bonus, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Dominic Moreno wants to know. McGregor, Ferguson, Gaethje, or the field? You have to pick one to possibly upset Habib. Who and why? Gaethje. Yeah, I agree with Shaq just because Gaethje's got the D1 wrestling credentials and also he's one of these guys that goes forward the entire time, doesn't really care what you throw at him, whereas McGregor might have a little bit, you know, not. I mean, it's not suspect ground game, it's just suspect compared to Habib, right? And then, and then with, with Ferguson, he goes to his back and he gets rocked every single fight. So I think Gaethje has a better chance out of those three, but to actually pick someone to beat Habib in this day and age seems like a tough, tall order i mean you saw what he did to dustin poirier you saw what he did to mcgregor you see what he does to all these guys so man it's cool to see such a dominant champion and i'm very curious to see uh what happens when he fights those three guys next mario says what do you really think of dom reyes and who wins uzman or masvidal we'll tell you the masvidal uzman one when the time comes but as far as dom reyes man he's a hell of an athlete he's Definitely developed into a good MMA fighter, well-rounded. I love his get-up game, the point-fighting style, confident guy. So I think Dom Reyes is pretty damn good. But I think John Jones is pretty fucking phenomenal. Davis Farron says, do you think Nganu is the man to stop John Jones? If not, who do you think is? Thank you, bro. Is Nganu, look, man, if Nganu touches anybody on the chin, chances are it could be lights out. The only man that hasn't gone down when he got touched on the chin was Stipe. And and I say that, I know he lost to Black Beast, but he never threw at Black Beast. (laughs) So, you know, that's why that happened. But um, 
it's just one of those things. Can John Jones just still be so tactical and just so strategic? He's just so amazing with his game plans. I fucking want to see that fight for sure, man. But would it surprise me if Nganu slept anybody? No. But I definitely want to see that fight at some point before it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, if they fought at heavyweight, I'd definitely lean in Gano. I think heavyweight's a different ball game, especially at that level. Uh, so that answers that. Um, but, man, would John take that fight? <laughs> you know, uh, I think at least for his first fight, he'd probably look to take something different. Yeah, and I wouldn't blame him, man. Like, yeah. why would you want to fight for Yolo says, between Bautista and Johns, who do you think is more likely to be a future world champion? Um, I don't think either will be champion, but I think John's potentially uh, could hit the rankings, possibly. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Shaq. I think uh, John's has more potential to be ranked, but future world champion, let's let's see how their careers progress before we talk about that. But I would say John's has more chance to be ranked. 8-Ball Rocco says, John Jones has looked far from convincing in his recent outings. Is age the factor? I mean, bro, it's one of those things like we mentioned earlier. Like, okay, if you don't really got money on the line and you're expecting a first-round finish and that Lionheart fight and this and that, you might be like, man, what the fuck? But then when you actually go back and you watch it and you want to consider putting money on the guy, then you're reminded that, hey, he's still definitely got it. The guy's absolutely amazing. And just because he's not going out there and getting finishes against guys from, you know, a couple generations ago, now he's beating the guys of today. I don't think you you should criticize him for it personally, man. I think you got to give the guy a lot of credit. He's been a champion for over a decade. Yeah, I mean, kind of. if you kind of go back to some of the breakdowns for those fights, I kind of had a feel. Lionheart, look, I know Lionheart's got, you know, a bunch of losses, but Lionheart, man, if you hear Lionheart talk, man, his mindset, Lionheart is a, he's a tough, at least in this day's age, maybe 10 years ago, you could knock him out easily, but right now, to beat Lionheart is a, I mean, he finished Gustafsson in Sweden, so, like, Lionheart deserves a lot of respect, and even going into the Maheda fight, I said I felt like there's a little bit of value on Maheda, you know, not saying he's gonna win, but Maheda at 205, that Blakovich fight was very impressive, I was like, man, Maheda's got a, I don't know how he's going to come back after this extensive knee surgery, but, you know, I, I liked what I was seeing from him, at least in comparison to his 85 days. So it didn't shock me that that fight played out closer than the line indicated. I actually said both those guys would go the five rounds. And, you know, John Jones, I think, you know, we everyone was like off that Gustafson fight where he smashed him. But Gustafson, guys, if y'all are still considering Gustafson a, a top-notch 205-er, I mean, uh, <laughs> y'all are a little late. Thank you so much to all our fans for all the questions. We really love you guys. Thank you for all your support always. It means the world to us. Well, Shaq. And we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC 247? Uh, my fight to watch is going to be Derek Lewis versus Alir Latifi. You got Derek Lewis in his hometown, H-Town, swinging and banging uh, against Alir Latifi, who, you know, he's under the impression that he can come up to heavyweight and be the top five guy. So, you know, I'm very interested to see that fight. All due to respect to Alir Latifi, but I want to see if Black Beast has that great moment in his hometown. He can, uh, you know, put, I mean, he helped the city out when it was flooding. Uh, I just want to see Black Beast have that good moment down there in uh, Houston. Yeah, for me, my fight to watch is actually early on the prelims between Andre Hull and Jonathan Martinez. I just have a really hard time seeing this fight being boring with both of their styles, the way they match up. I don't think anybody's going to be humping legs. I think these two are going to stand and bang and give a really good account of themselves. So, Uwell versus Martinez is definitely one of my fights to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 247? 
my fighter to watch is going to be Juan Adams, surprisingly, just because, look, if this guy comes out here and gets knocked out in the first round, there's a, I mean, look, the chances that they cut the heavyweights probably are slim. But the fact that, you know, I just want to see what happens, man. This guy, he says he's a new man. He said he's got a new stance, a new team, a uh, new city. So we'll, we'll see how he looks. He's one, I'm really interested to see. A lot of people are, are laying that minus two on uh, two and some change on him. You know, they think it's an easy fight for him. I want to see it. I want to see him come out here and finish something in the first round, man. So the kid sounds like he, he might be in a little bit of a better headspace. But uh, if he doesn't win this fight, man, that would have been. From what everyone thought he was off contender series, you could almost put him in a category as one of the biggest fraud heavyweights to hit the sport if he loses. You know? <laughs> and my fighter to watch is Mirsad Bektic. Look, this is a guy who had so many expectations, so much hype when he first came into the UFC. And to an extent, he lived up to it, but not to the to the full extent that everyone wanted. You know, people were saying future champion, future this, future that. You remember when he was scheduled to fight Max Holloway and was over a three to one favorite? Yeah, I was actually about to bring that up. This is a guy who was scheduled to fight Max Holloway at one point, and uh, man, people have thought very highly of him. But he's had some head scratching losses, namely the Darren Elkins one. So, man, the kid looks like his mindset's on point. He looks like he's fixed a couple things. Shows up there to the to the face off with his shirt off during the media day, and not that that means he's gonna win, but it's just last person I saw do that was uh, Kamaru, and you saw how he came out against Colby, man. So I. Think think win or lose Bektich is very motivated for this fight and I can't wait to see how you perform so for that reason Mirsad Bektich is my fighter to watch well Shaq we did it it's going down this Saturday in Houston Texas in H-Town John Jones versus Dominic Reyes they can follow you at MMA Genius 05 on Twitter they can follow you at Shaq BFP on Instagram they can follow me at best fight picks on Twitter you can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Use that promo code 2020 to save 20% off our VIP. Or if you want to hit us up individually, use my promo code Dan for 10% off or use Shaq's promo code Shaq for 10% off at bestfightpicks.com. Looking to keep the streak up. And we just want to thank all our fans for all your support. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the places where we are available. We want to thank you guys once again. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.